Hello everyone, welcome to Boca de Gallo, the spiciest anime podcast on the internet. Very I spicy. am Michael. I am Urkel. And we are here today to talk about a new show. I say new, but it was made in early 2010s. It is Fate Zero today. God, I had no idea the yeah. show was that old. Yeah, no, you oh, know. I had no idea. No, yeah, I will cover when it aired in just a second, but it is it, it is at least like seven years old. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Fate Zero is the anime we're covering today. For all those joining us, this is going to be a little different than our, than our first episode. Our, our first episode, we did it as a review show. We did it just for people that wanted to decide whether or not they wanted to see the show. But just to, just to mix it up a little bit, since we're still in beta mode and, and y'all can deal with it, <laughs> we are going to do it with full spoilers this time, beginning to end. We're going to talk about it. Just uh, really try to do a little more in-depth analysis, the kind that we couldn't when we just tried to keep all spoilers away from it. And th- this show kind of needs it. There's a lot of content here. There's a lot of things to unpack. Oh, yeah. No, it'd, be, it'd be really tough to talk <clears throat> about the show without, you know, spoiling anything. So Yeah. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Oh, yeah. Got, let me pull up my information sheet here. So, Fate Zero... Made by Studio Ufutable. They're the ones that handle all of the Fate stuff, to my knowledge. Okay. Uh, it is directed by E. Akoi. E.I. Last name A.K.O.I. Maker of Old Noah Zero, actually. Oh! And, wow. uh, and a more recent show, Recreators. <laughs> I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, no. It wasn't very known, renowned plot-wise. Okay. But... It, uh, but it had a bunch of very cool fights in it, and just like very like flashy, that kind of thing. That makes sense. You know, he, so he he has very good fight direction, I think, and he he directs some very good fights. That's very noticeable. Um, airing dates: season one was from October first to December twenty fourth of twenty eleven, and wow. yeah, and season two is April seventh to June twenty third of twenty twelve. So they, wow. took a, so they took a so they took a little bit of a hiatus in there, but unprofessional piece of shit uh, cell phone ring. Yeah, yeah. Don't try to hide that from us. I'm trying. Uh, garbage. So now origins. It, it started off. It started off as a visual novel. Actually, oh. yeah. No, like I, mean, I suppose most a yeah. lot of anime started off as that. Yep. Started by um by a video game company called or a video game franchise called Tight Moon. It was just three visual novels, um, Fate Zero, Fate Stay Night, and then Fate, the other one that isn't those two. <laughs> and <laughs> only the best of preparation here. Yes. So, um, as I mentioned, this is a prequel to the first ever Fate thing that came out, which is Fate Stay Night. Uh, yeah, so, but don't worry. You, you don't necessarily need to watch the original Fate Stay Night to understand this one at all. We, we both watched this one, uh, Vanilla, when we came in, and, yeah. and and it does tell a story. It tells a story. There is a beginning, a middle, and an end. It doesn't it doesn't hinge off the fact that it is a prequel. Yeah, you don't no. need to you don't need to have that to understand it, which is good. Yeah. I think that's a mark of a of good storytelling. No, absolutely. It's it's definitely a good story. First, absolutely the of the podcast. Yeah, Here we go. There it is. Uh, ah. For all you counting at home. Yeah, it's all good. Okay. So, next up, I want to go into characters and, and, some, and some voice actors a little bit now that you have a little bit of show background information. 
So, first off, we have uh, main character, Kiritsugu Emiya, voiced by Matthew Mercer, of all people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Mercer. The voice of Jotaro from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, and uh, probably more famously, Captain Levi from Attack on Titan. And possibly even more famously... Silver Samurai from Pinball (laughs) FX2. Not what I was going to say, but yes. Yeah, no, that is true. That is true. I tried to find the most obscure thing that he'd ever been in. I love it. Throw it in. That's awesome. No, yeah, but as you were probably going to say. He's also McCree, right? Yeah, 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 from Overwatch. Yeah. And also, um, a longtime dungeon master on the show Critical Role. Where a bunch oh. of voice actors basically play Dungeons and Dragons and then fully voice their characters. That sounds amazing. How have I not heard of this? Liam O'Brien and Sam Regal are both in it. Oh, Sam, Sam Regal was the is the voice of I think Shiro Emiya from Fate Stay Night. Oh, okay. Uh, Blade Bladeworks. Liam O'Brien was the voice of uh of Kariyamato from in here. Okay. Um, their the, their wives are in here. Basically, it's just. It's just six voice actors, all DM'd by Matthew Mercer, fully voice acting their characters. Dude, that sounds amazing. It is. <laughs> and, and Matthew Mercer is one of the best DMs I've ever seen. Really? He is amazing. He he voices all the NPCs. He writes them really complex backstories, like fully integrated world. It's super good. That sounds awesome. Yeah, man. It's super, I swear out. I've told you about this before, but it's okay. You just fucking ignored me. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I forget <laughs> No, it's all good. You, you, it's all good, man. You have a life. And uh, this just in. This just in. My cat has arrived on the scene. Oh, it Everyone is cat at home. time. Everyone home? Hold. Here, baby. <laughs> it is cat time. Sorry, well, well. Satine, say hi to the people at home. Meow. Yeah, that was her. Hey, that was her. Hey, good job, Kit Kat. Uh, do you want some of my back? Nope. Not even a little. And it's gone. All right. Uh, okay. Sorry. Back to the episode. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, Saber, who is uh, Kiritsugu's server. For those who don't know... The uh, I'm gonna be talking about masters and servants in here. These we are not back in the 1600s? Question mark. These are not slaves they brought over yeah. from 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 some undisclosed location. Not, I, not the case. Not not trying to start shit here, but um, these are these would be magical heroes of legend that are brought back in order to have a big war for the Holy Grail, an omnipotent wish granting device. Yes. Um. So. Saber is Kiritsugu's servant. Um, Saber, who is a woman, uh, Arthuria Pendrag, who is the woman version of King Arthur. Yeah. Something that could only be thought of in anime. Only, only in anime. Um, voiced by Carrie Walgren, uh, Jessica from Rick and Morty. What? Yeah. That's crazy. I had um, no idea. Yep, How some, did I not notice some that? Some side roles from Code Geass, and then she's one of those voice actors that when you go on her uh, behind the voice page, uh, is in just about every single Nickelodeon slash Disney show ever. Really? Voice about 50 roles in like every single Holy show. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, no, she has been in everything uh, on Nick and Disney. Yep. Oh, my yep. God. Um, we have Iris Feel, who is Kiritsugu's wife, a homunculus created for the Holy Grail War, uh, voiced by Bridget Hoffman, who I think did a pretty average job. Uh, it's, yeah. Yeah, no. It, maybe it was just the way her character was written, but I, th- I thought her performance was not memorable. Yeah. In my opinion. But, okay. I agree. Now, the main a- now we get to the main antagonist of the show. Kire Kotumine, voiced by Crispin Freeman. Uh, he, he, he does a great job. 
He, he is a priest inquisitor for the Holy Church who is and dragged in the Holy Grail War. He nails that. Yes. Yeah. And on his and, and on his Behind the Voice page, I encourage everyone to go check it out because he looks like an absolute goober. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so goofy. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna pull it up for Urkel here, um, but you should look. He looks like the biggest douchebag ever. Uh, yes. Okay, Google. Um, we are doing fine. I promise. For some reason, Michael's computer thinks it's December of last year. It's fine. Shh. Apparently, uh, Google just decided to comment on that. Awesome. Okay. Uh, we'll find it. We'll find it later. Yeah. No. It's mm, it's good. No, we're going to the phone, people. This is this is top quality content. Rispin Freeman. There he is. Um. Let's see how much of a goober this man is. That man <laughs> is in fact a goober. That is, in fact, what a he, goober looks I like. I don't... He looks like the mix between, like, a Disney Channel star and a frat douchebag. <laughs> that's, that's a very accurate... Whose depiction. hair looks like ramen noodles. <laughs> ramen noodle hair. He does. He has ramen noodle hair. Yeah, he totally does. Oh, but, 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 but Crispin, great job on Kira Kotamine. Crushes it. Nailed it. Um, uh, he is... He is Itachi Uchiha from Naruto, also. Oh. Yep. And Alucard from Helsing Ultimate. Oh. Yeah. How did I not? Oh, that totally is the same voice. How did I not yep. notice that? There's so many voice actors in this that I'm yeah. just like kicking this has myself a, for this not This has a ridiculously all-star voice acting cast. Cast like, is excellent. The dub, which, yes, we both watched the dub for all you sub-purists out there. Burn the us. dub is... Not bad. No, it's for, so for this good. One. So, uh, next, I'm going to try to run through these. Waver Velvet. He is he is another one of the masters. Uh, voiced by Lucian Dodge or Doge, one of the two. I hope it's Doge. <clears throat> Lucian Doge. He is Jafar from the Magi series. Uh, next up, we have Ryder, Waver Velvet's servant. Voiced by Jameson Price. He does, he does a pretty good job. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, he, he, if you... You don't need to look him up, but if you've seen the show, he looks like Ryder. He he is really? he's just this big dude with like the full like chin strap and mustache, interesting beard combo. He looks like Ryder. He was actually Kira Kotamine in the original Fate Stay Night. Oh, that's super interesting. Yep, he is Chad in Bleach, uh, and Lu Bu from Dynasty Warriors. <laughs> don't know um, either. Of that's those. fine. Archer, <laughs> who is. Uh, I guess I should be mentioning, Ryder is Iskandar the Conqueror, or as we know him, Alexander the Great. Yes. Uh, Archer is David Vincent. David Vincent. He, he, he's good, although I have, a, I have a personal soft spot for Archer. I think I, think I just love the character of Archer, of so characters. pardon if I overhype him in the future. But he was actually assassin in the original Fate Stay Night. What? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and he's also Grimjow in Bleach. <laughs> Man, um, I need to watch that show. Yep, no, that, that's all good. That's all good. Um, Tokiomi Tosaka. Uh, he is uh, another one of the masters. Voiced by Mark Dereisen, who is Guts in Berserker. Um, oh. Uh, um, Akihi- 
Ahiko Kayabana from the guy who made the SAO game in in Sora Online. Oh yeah, that totally is him. Yeah, and no. and and, uh, and uh, like Renard Zolo from One Piece, the guy who the guy who has the three swords, <laughs> like who carries one in his really? mouth. Really? Yep, yep, him. Oh, that's super cool. Yep. Um, Kari Amato, voiced by another one of my personal favorites, Liam O'Brien, who oh, does a great job. Gara from Naruto, Archer, oh, yeah. Archer from the original Fate Stay Night, and uh, and, and the white-haired, uh, and, and the white-haired captain from Bleach, the one who is like does like ice dragon stuff, who has like basically his uh, his bankai is that he summons basically like ice dragon wings, and he flies around and shoots out ice okay. chunks and shit. Yep. Nice. Yeah, the old bonky. Bonky. Uh, uh, Berserker. Kyle Herbert, who is the voice of Gohan when he's an adult from Dragon Ball Z oh, onward. Oh, that's super cool. And basically everything that was made from Dragon Ball Z, the original Dragon Ball Z onward. He is the evol- he's the voice of adult Gohan. Oh. Yep, Berserker. Oh. And in this one, I I would say his his main role is going. <laughs> yep, yeah, it's just <laughs> yelling. Oh wow, peak the audio. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, yeah, he his real identity is Lancelot. Yeah. Yes. Um, Kenneth Elmoloy Archibald, who uh, is... I have a feeling that this man came from no money, a uh, very blue-collar Yeah, kind of no, person. no, just the biggest aristocratic <laughs> douchebag yeah. in, in the show. I mean... Oh, my God. Kenneth and Archibald in your Kenneth name? Kenneth Elmoloy. El- you say When you have to say the middle name, you know he's an aristocratic douche canoe. Yo, Aristocratic. Aristocratic. Crisco cooking spray. <laughs> Voiced by Doug Erholtz, um, who does who does a good job, even though the character is written like a goober. He's just so stereotypical, just like ha ha ha. Oh. I am I'm the elite of it. I'm gonna but, twirl my wine glass because I don't get too far away from work, my dude. Yeah, um, he is Slater in Seven Deadly Sins, and he is Kisuke Urahara and Gein from Bleach. Uh, for all you bleach people out there. Bleachers. Yep. Um <laughs> uh, is that is that Irv one? Um Oh I, you have I, I stapled it wrong. <laughs> that was it. Um oops. Okay, sorry. I have some I have some uh, notes here. And I have stapled them in the wrong order. That's fun fact. Uh, uh, Lancer. He is. He is uh, Diermut Odine. You know that classic mythological figure, yeah. Diermut Odine. Everybody knows him. Household yep, no. name. <laughs> he is voiced by Grant George, who I personally think I was not happy with that with that voice performance. Really? Yes, I. I thought he he did it, he he delivered the lines a little too over dramatically. Oh my lord, what is what is happening? Oh, uh, but that's just me. I oh uh, uh, Urkel's giving me the stank eye right now. Oh my god, we got I it's thought, fine. It's oh, fine. We got a DR fan. It's very oof. Okay. Okay. That one. I know one exactly what scene you're talking about too, and I thought that was like his best scene 
when really? he's talking to his master, he's all crippled and crap. He's like accusing him of stealing his wife, and he's like, "My lord, please retract those words." And I'm like, "That is such." I was like, "That's so good." You can tell that he's just like this honorful knight, and he's just getting insulted, and he like can't do anything about it, but it's pain. Yeah, him no, so he's much. a. I think he's a perfectly. I think he is a perfectly honorable piece of wood <laughs> as he's acting. Oof. Yeah, I don't know. Wasn't a all fan. Right. All right, all he, right, all he, right. He is, he, he is Izuru Kira. He's the blonde with the scythes from Bleach. A lot of, lot of Bleach alumni. A lot of Bleachy boys. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Then we have Ryunosuke Uryu, who is... My man! Yep, yep. A serial killer who becomes a master by accident. Yeah. Um, voiced by JYB, Johnny Young Bosch. Very famous voice actor in the in the community, um, Lelouch from Code Geass, Ichigo Kurosaki from Bleach, Vash the Stampede from Trigun. He that was all him. That that was JYB. And and, and if you're wondering how he did, it's it's fucking it's JYB. I mean, he it, absolutely he, annihilated he, he did, that he did role. Great. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he he did as good as JYB does. Yeah. Which is amazing. Which is quite good. Because, like, this dude has been around the block. He's been a voice actor for forever. Oh, he yeah. Just, he just does it well. Yeah. Um, we have cast... And then finally we have caster for major voice actors. Um, voiced by Daniel Warren, who is Byakuya Kuchki from Bleach, the one who shoots around flower petals and shit and, like, cuts people up. Um, that show sounds know, wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I keep hearing about all these characters, and I'm like... Wow, that sounds like something I would enjoy. Yeah, man, he's basically the Seto Kaiba of that show. Basically, what he does is that is that, is that uh, his sword dissolves into a million flower petals of blades, and then he can sh- and then he and then he just like commands them around. And his bankai, which is his ultimate move, he takes his sword, turns up and down, drops it into the ground, summons a hundred ten foot tall blades that come out of the ground that all dissolve into flower petals. And, of, of all just razor sharp steel and oh then just God. go through you and just turn you into string cheese. That seems like a pretty good Bonkai. It, he, he is known as like one of the most powerful captains. Interesting. Yes, but back on topic. Sure. Um, okay, so. Uh, what were we going to do next? Pulling up the show notes, you see nothing. Okay, perfect. Now, now that we have all the facts of the way, Urkel, my man, what do you think of the show? I thought that I mean I don't I don't I don't have anything bad to say at this point. I thought it was a great show. I mean I, I thought I thought very controversial opinion. I don't yeah. no not in this not slightest. at all. I mean this was no. a great anime for yeah. a lot of people. Like you know I thought it was great in almost every aspect. Very mature show. Yeah, and, and not just in the theme, but like. Not feeling the need to do things like degradate the women yeah. by, by like doing a bunch of fan service like, stuff. Just stayed very true to the characters, which I appreciated. You know, like there's yeah, there's there's nearly no fan service except for the there's, last episode. There, there's a little bit of man service yeah, at the end, ladies. A little bit, a little bit of man service at the end. You get to see a a a buff AF naked Gilgamesh, yes. <laughs> just like sitting around looking like Michael Phelps yeah, modeling next chill. to the pool. <laughs> Just straight chilling, but um, it's good. He's pretty hot. I mean, yeah. I uh, this this show. I feel like when I was when I was watching it. I mean, I watched it again. You know, doing research for this show, uh, and 
I I had co- pretty much completely forgotten how this show pretty much has something for almost everyone uh, in the anime community. Like there's there's relationship bits, there's like slice of life bits, there's crazy fight scenes, there's you know emotional bits. <laughs> like no matter what you look for in an anime, like. I'd say Fate Zero has almost all of it, except for maybe like if yeah. all you do is watch harem animes. I yep. guess yep. it just doesn't like... really have one of those. No, no. Uh, uh I partway through it. Tell me what you think about this. I said this, th- this uh, show. Besides the fact, if if you cut out the fighting scenes and everything like that, mm-hmm. it feels almost like a Shakespearean play. Interesting. It has, it has some themes of a shake of a Shakespearean play. Besides the fact of like, of like you know fight scenes and superpowers and stuff like that. Just like, just like these, like these high crafty houses double crossing each other and yeah and, and going through with uh, trying trying to achieve some great goal with like lots of tragedy and people descending into insanity and, and lots of lots of tragic characters it just felt it felt very shakespearean to me especially the character of kariamato feels oh yeah like something straight out of hamlet yeah um, yeah so kariamato is a person who who'd given up on the mage world he'd given up Threw away his family's legacy of becoming a mage, but when he heard that his uh, cousin question mark slash girl he had woman he had the hots for, mm-hmm. um, who was married to another great mage family, the Tosak, is Ioe, 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 Eieio, something like that, had given away her daughter to the Mato family in order, I don't know, do some stuff. Uh, better, I think, yeah. her family's position in the ma- yep. mage world. Yep, yep. Uh, joins, joins the Holy Grail War under the uh, under the motto flag in order to uh, get back his. In, in order to try to get back Sakura, who is the daughter that that she gave away, because the deal was, his father said that if uh, if I will give the daughter back. If you can win me the Holy Grail, because then I won't need her anymore. Yeah. So, basically, he just sticks him full of uh, evil death worms. Mana that, worms. That, yeah, yeah, mana worms, and then mana worms. Mana. It's the douchey say it. pronunciation. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be that way. Uh, I'm American. It's mana. I'm a mana. Mana worm. Sorry if you can hear the phone in the back. Please ignore that. Uh, no, you can't hear the Ooh, number. La, 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 la. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Car- the point of Kariyamato is uh, in, in his fight to get back Sakura, which he ultimately fails in, in the end. Mm-hmm. His, his story basically starts with seeing her inside of this worm pit, getting eaten by worms. Many worms. Yep. Uh, which is part of the training, which, first off, what the hell kind of training is getting thrown into a worm, worm pit? pit? Yeah, what? I don't understand so, how magic works in this world. Yeah, no. No, that's... Uh, we will get into that later, but this show suffers from what-the-fuck syndrome quite a bit. <laughs> Every once in a while, yeah. Uh, 
second mm, mm, to him ending up in the worm pit. That is his. That is his full circle character arc. Yep. It was from trying to save someone else from the warm pit to him ending up in it without saving her and actually losing everything in in his life. Yeah. Like yeah, no. real everything. Yeah. Just no. all of it. And, and and his story is him systematically losing every single thing that's important to him. That that feels Shakespearean to me. Yeah. I mean and that kind of ties into uh something I wanted to talk about in host topics, which was the uh, portrayal of like Victorian England almost okay. in uh, in uh, Japanese anime because I've seen it in a couple of shows now not a whole lot this being one of them where like this idea of like these high houses <clears throat> uh, and like you know the the term Britannia gets brought up in a couple yeah. of them with, with just like the idea of the British Empire and, like, you know, uh, really, like, poshness and these big houses and last names that mean something. And That's also a very like, Japanese thing. Like, like your clan is your identity. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and like, like, I, like, I'm the head of the blank clan. Yeah, and I, I, I know, I get that, but there's also, like, um, like, Black Butler yeah. has, like, this vibe of less... Yeah. Uh, like you know, Japanese uh, and more like folklore, the more like more... the aristocratic houses. Yeah, of... yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Like like the power of the few. And, mm. Yeah, and and tr- truly aristocrats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, I buy that. Uh, but yeah, I I guess that all kind of ties into I guess jumping in to some of my show notes here. Uh, f- some things I. Some things I wanted to discuss were, uh, first off, did you have any, like, major idea what they were going for in here? Because... What do you mean? Yeah. Terrible way of putting it. (laughs) 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 Wow. calling yourself out. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was, that was a booty transition. I was trying to find my piece of paper, full full disclosure. You're all good. Um, themes. This show is, again, trying... To tell you something Many. and teach you a bunch of things, yeah. and uh, what were some some of the things of the that things. it was trying to teach you? Yeah. So, I think this show was really interesting because I think almost every single main character had a different theme. Yeah. That no, went with. Obviously, them. everyone had their own had had kind of their own reason for trying to find the Holy Grail, yeah. which. I think contributed to what made the show interesting. Yeah, and be- there, in the show, there isn't a whole lot of interaction between like master and master. There's a lot of interaction between master and servant, and then uh, servant and servant, and then and then servant and servant. But so for the masters, a lot of them you don't see like a lot of their themes intertwining with other masters' themes. Because they don't interact with each other a whole lot until, you know, like three quarters through the whole yeah. show. Yeah. That more like mid of season two, you get like where they where they come together after their themes and ideas have been like fully established. They come together and then they argue about whose uh, ideals are better or not. They don't like, you know, bounce up or like play with each other, I would say. But um, well, so, even the masters don't do that. I thought that was more of like the servants that did that a little more. Well, yeah, they do. I'm talking about like later on when. Give me, um, hit me, hit me with an example. Like 
Kiritsugu versus Kire. Yeah, yeah, but that's like the main antagonism of the show. The other, the other masters barely. Yeah, I mean, talk to anyone else at all. Yeah, I suppose you're right. It really is just them. You know, yeah, remember that big scene where Waver Velvet was talking with Tokiomi with Tokiomi Tosaka? No, because <laughs> no. it didn't happen. Remember that That's time when point, yeah. Tokiomi taught? You know, the the only the only ones were the people that uh, had had history together. Yeah, which was Kiritsugu and Kirei, who just who who who, see, who saw each other as the biggest threats to the Holy Grail because because yeah. they're they're mage killers. That's what they do. Well, Kiritsugu is a mage killer. Kirei is an inquisitor. Who I can assume kills in, mages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who kills mages, and then, and then the other one was a uh, Karia versus Tokiomi, because Tokiomi gave away the daughter, because mm-hmm. he is because Tokiomi is the husband of E I E I O, and fucking <laughs> <laughs> like old McDonald looking ass over here, and uh, Sakura's original dad before chucked her in the worm pit, mm-hmm. and then there was that relationship, but that was because that was pre-established before the mm-hmm. Holy Grail War. Even started, and there's there's also uh, Kire and Tokiomi. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they're like he's yeah. his like mentor or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. At the, at the beginning part of the show, fucking kills his ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shanks him in the back. Yep, with the knife he gave him to symbolize Oof. that he graduated. Oh, cold, cold. Which he then gives to his daughter as yeah. a present. Like. They're like wow. Kire and wow. and Kiritsuru are the coldest motherfuckers ever. They are. Like Kiritsugu turns around a little bit at the end of the show. Like you could see yeah. see him like a character well, I mean, change. Yeah, but that, but like, that was his character arc though. Yeah. His character arc was was trying to figure out how do you save the world? Do you save it by by killing those who you think need killing? Or is it by saving those who need saving? Yeah. It was that it was that flip. Yeah. Kire is just Kire did not it was trying to figure out bleh. why he exists. Uh, or or what is you know, you disagree? Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I I was I made a noise that made it sound like I disagreed, but I do not. He was trying to figure out why he existed and he His motivation was was trying to discover what his motivation was. Yeah. <laughs> just interesting thought. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was like he had he had no reason for being in that war except that Tokiomi put him in there. Yeah. And then he said, "I've had questions my entire life, and I hope the Holy Grail will answer them." Yeah. So the next thing I wanted to cover was was the things that they talked about physically in the show, and I, I have three of them now. First off, the obvious one is when they had their Holy Grail dialogue, when uh when the three King servants, the ones that had been kings in their own time, got together, discussed what kingship actually was. And this was uh, Saber, King Arthur, who is for some reason a chick because anime. Because anime. Um, Gilgamesh, the king of heroes, who is Archer, and then Iskandar, king of conquerors, Alexander the Great, got together to discuss what it meant to be a king. And Alexander the Great got them together to decide. Maybe we can just avoid fighting and just agree that I'm the best. <clears throat> kind of simple as that. And then it got into a discuss- discussion what a king is. And they decided, uh, at least Gilgamesh and, and Iskandar decided that Arthur, Arthuria, was not a good king yeah. in her time. 
because she never truly understood her people. She was never truly one of them. Mm-hmm. She always held herself to the highest standards, um, walked, quote, the thorny path of a, mar- of a martyr. As opposed to Iskander, who said, you know, a, a king should laugh louder, get angrier, drink more. It's like, be the absolute hyperbole of everything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's the only way that people can look up to him and, and truly follow him and love him and believe in him. What do you think makes a good leader? This was, yeah, I mean, that's the question that this this big scene brings. Um, and personally, I think I kind of have to Like, agree. what makes Donald Trump the best president that we've ever had? Man. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that, a, is that a, is a little bit of a leading question? It would. <laughs> what makes him the best? Uh, I think it's the grabbing what, what, of... <laughs> power of power yeah no uh like i i have to sorry sorry to get political in the anime podcast i'm sorry oh it is what it is something tells me that anime and far-right conservatives don't really Uh, mix i know some of the neckbeards out there interesting yeah oh anyways uh well you're wrong people sorry that's fair (laughs) <laughs> no, uh, my idea of a good leader, I, I would say I agree with uh, Ryder, Iskandar, Alexander the Great, whatever we want to call him. Uh, Ride Skander the Ride Great. Ride Skander the Great. Uh, he, the just the idea of essentially just being uh, the best that you could be and being inspiring to other people makes you um you know the best kind of of leader you know that i mean that's how i strive to lead uh in you know the record label that i'm a part of right now like anytime i get put as like a team head right uh a team head or anything i try to exhibit all of the traits that i want you know, everybody under me to exhibit, except, like, tenfold, you know? That's, that was Arthur's logic. Well, he was, he was like, I just need to be an amazing person, and then people... No, no, he was not. I, the the king needs to be greedier than the average man. The king needs to get angrier than the average man. Not, not the best properties, but every single human emotion taken to the maximum. Yeah, that was his logic. Not just, not just be a not role. Not just be the good part. Not just be a role, because because that's where they said, who can truly believe and follow someone who is just the best of human nature? Because humans are naturally flawed, and so if they see that their king is flawed, then they can truly believe in them. Arthur Arthuria's logic was that I am was you know was to be the very best that humanity could be. Was to exemplify oh. every single virtue <laughs> to the maximum. The never, n- never sin. Be the pinnacle of honor. Um, be be the pinnacle of selflessness. Yeah. No. Whereas Iskandar was just like, I, I'm you, but but turned to eleven. Just, just more. Yeah. No. And that's that. I guess that's what I was getting at. I worded it wrong then. Because like, I mean, I I try to be you know relatable. Of course. Like I try to be like people. You know when I'm trying to be a leader that's that's 
I just I think that's how it should work. You know, should you should you relate to your leader or should you look up to your leader? I mean, I think it's both. I think you should like you should look up to them because they do everything turned up to eleven. But I mean, they still do things that you do, so you should be able to both. So you think look up so, so to you them. think Iskandar was right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I th- I think Iskandar was right. I think just embodying the best things doesn't make you a good leader. Like you can't, like you can't relate to a person that is just holy and perfect and you know doesn't have any flaws. You, you have to... you can look up to them for sure. Yeah. But you can't you can't relate to them. Yeah, they're not. At that point, they're not like a human being. They're just. A human being minus all the negative parts. Yeah, I think that's what they were trying to. I think that's what they were trying to go for. Absolutely. And, like, and that's what they said. Uh, drove Arthur's kingdom into the ground because no one. What was the quote? It was like uh, you always like protected them, but uh, you never led. But you them. never led them. Yeah, that was like oof. Right in the fields. Yeah, sure. Uh, I thought that was interesting, the whole Holy Grail dialogue. Because, like... Yeah. It's... <clears throat> I don't know. Going through college, I was forced... You know... Everyone, especially at, like, I don't know, douchey liberal arts colleges, is, <laughs> is put through a little bit of leadership grooming. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, come to the leadership workshop. That was That was more of a thing in high school. Yeah. Like like leadership events and leadership workshops, mm-hmm. kind of train, kind of just like trying to get you to be a leader among the group, and I don't know how I felt. To, and, and so obviously it's not a science that we've perfected. We have some things like you know, direct eye contact, day one whip your cock out on the table to just show assert that, dominance. Yeah, to assert dominance. Call people by their social security number to establish alpha maleness. <laughs> oh my god, that is excellent. Hey, one 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 two 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 three 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 three. That was a phone number, not a. Oops, close. <laughs> but you know, just do things like that to establish establish superiority. Yeah. Call people by their, their social, social security <laughs> number. Good lord, dude. Full disclosure to the podcast audience. We have some pretzels here. Oh my god, they're so good. They're called firecracker pretzels. They're from London Byerleys. They're like they're like spicy pretzels. I can't <clears> resist it. They're so good. So if you hear us crunching in the background, that's not our fault. That's the makers of the firecracker yeah, pretzels. Yeah, blame them. Call them. Call your representative. Get them. Tell them that they're that, that you're ruining your wholesome anime podcast. Wholesome. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that you that, heard me. That whole Holy Grail dialogue, I think, uh, it was a great, it was a great thing to put in between all of the fighting. It really, mm-hmm. you know, broke up the. Sh- it wasn't just it. It made you more interested in yeah. and more like uh, understanding of where the characters, mm-hmm. some of the characters were coming from. Uh, except for Archer, I mean, he's a pretty one-dimensional. Yeah, I'm a. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's he's both one-dimensional and amazing at the same time. Somehow. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I I don't mind that he's just kind of one note. He's just kind of like because you get the feeling that he's already been there and seen it all, and he's gone through everything. In fact, yeah. um, most of these like lessons and teaching moments 
come from Ryder because he is the master that is the, the, that has the most to learn and, and has the most to grow up and develop. Mm-hmm. Um, Waver Velvet, because Waver's whole thing is that he's he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove. He wants to prove that even though he's not from a long line of mages like his teacher, Kenneth L. Malloy Archibald, he can still be, he can still be a powerful mage too. Yeah. That that that's his character arc. That that's where he starts. That's why he like becomes a servant to prove that he is he, the best. He wants to be the best, like no one ever was. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Very anime thing. To yeah. Do. But like, but just. But it's like that. He has a chip on his shoulder. He wants, he wants to prove that even though you know he he's young, not from a big mage family, he's still as good as everyone else. Even if, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm not crazy, right? No, no, no. That's like that's his whole thing. I mean, the way that uh, Waver, Weaver, Waver, Waver, Wyvern, gotcha, <laughs> Wyvern, Wyvern Velvet, Wyvern Velveta, gotcha. Das, das your boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the way that he like gets into the Holy Grail War is he, you know, he's in class. He writes a paper to that professor, Archibald Kenneth McDouchey face. face. Yes, he writes a paper in class uh, about like how he can be, you know, or about how mages from non. Massive bloodlines can be, you know, just as good as other yeah, mages. Yeah, yeah, someone who's like from a third generation, as opposed to like a seventh generation mage yeah. family or something. Yeah, it could be just as powerful. Uh, <laughs> and he just pretty much, or Archibald just pretty much, just just shits on it. Yeah, just tears it all the way apart in, in front in front of the entire lecture hall. Yeah. So to get back at him, he's like wandering through the halls, and he gets a book <laughs> that's like uh, there's and, this... and, and he steals the piece of Ryder's cape. Yeah. He's from a delivery man. He steals the bit of uh, a rider that is needed to summon him. Is needed to summon him, yeah. Um, so, like th- this whole thing, his whole background is based on this idea of of proving proving himself to his peers and other people that he can be just as good as anybody else. Yep. Yeah. So do we want to? Which is where I think that's why they have the most teaching moments. Yeah. He's still so young. And, and he still has a lot to learn. So, like, one of the other big things is that, um, is when he's sitting with Ryder, and, uh, and he says, you know, if you had had another one of the Masters, anyone else, you could have won the Holy Grail a lot easier, because they're much more powerful than I am. And Ryder says, yeah, you're right, I could have. And he just gives it to him straight, like, yeah, no, these people are better than you. But, and he pulls out his map. Pulls out his map of the world and says, draw a picture of us to scale on the world so we can really tell the difference in size. And Noeva says, can't, obviously, that's, that's ridiculous, Why? how you can't. And I says, exactly, compared to what I'm facing in conquering the world, the little difference between us right now means almost nothing. Yeah. Compared to the rest of the scale of the world. So that was kind of like... The conclusion of like where he was at because doesn't matter because between any two people in the grand scheme of things in history everyone's about the same yeah it's a very it was very inclusive message oh yeah to all the people out there who are struggling got something to prove like you'll get there but hey man it's it's about what you do it's about what's on the inside yeah 
It's very wholesome. Yeah. He's, he's very and dad-like. Ryder was... Oh, I loved Ryder, man. I mean, he's a good dude. It'd be, it's like hard not to like him. He's just big, happy, boisterous, helpful, insightful. Like, he has... He nice. like, yeah, I mean, he has, like, all the qualities that you would want of somebody you would hang out with. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Likes video and games. Then, <laughs> yep, yep. And then, uh... Never got to play him! <laughs> and, then, and then his fucking death scene was... I was... I, 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 Actual I, tears. I, I was cutting onions. <laughs> yeah, no, it was... It was oof. <clears throat> oof. Yeah. I mean, what do you expect, though? He went up against Archer. I mean... That's the thing. I have... That's something I'm going to bring up in the critiques. Yeah. Is Archer. Really? He is... I'm sorry, man, but he's broken. I don't think that's a bad thing, though. It's, it. I mean, like... He has the, an, he has the anti-universe universe noble phantasm. Ability. He has Aya. Oh, Aya's cool, though. Aya looks dope as fuck. Well... We'll we'll get to this discussion. Fine, fine. Just stop we wanna, fanboying over it. <laughs> Do you want to um, go over like? Oh, one more theme. One more theme. Kiritsugu's entire story. Oh my god. Is it? Okay. Is it worth sacrificing the few to save the many? Classic philosophy question. If you are going down, if you're going down, if you're on a train, going down the train tracks, uh, and there's a split in the road, and you have the ability to like pull the lever, on. And the way the train's going right now, there are four people laid out there, tied up on the tracks. If you pull the lever, you will, he will go on the other way and hit one person on the tracks. Can you, in good conscience, pull that lever and and kill that one man yourself? Oh, is it the same thing as killing him yourself? Like, can you do that? Can you kill the few to save the many? What? I'm very much in Kiritsugu's corner for the all of those philosophy kind of philosophy questions in the sense that like yeah i'd pull the lever yeah but that's the easiest thing to armchair ever what do you mean it, i mean it's it, we have no consequences it's very easy to say you definitely pull the lever and kill the few but like but you're not in this situation you, we're being armchair philosophers we're just yeah. sitting in the comfort of our own homes swilling whiskey and saying oh no i would totally kill him but like, really think about it. No, Would my my. Let me rephrase it. If I was not just freaking out about people about to die, yeah. If I wasn't just frozen by the situation, yeah. I would make the decision to kill the one person. <clears throat> so my my thing is, I don't know if in that situation, like in in the um in the show, it brings up the idea of. There's two boats. Yeah, with, that was the exact example I was yeah, going to bring up next. Yeah, there's two boats. One boat has 300 people on it. One <clears throat> boat has 200 people on it. Holes open up in the hull of each boat simultaneously, and Kiritsugu has to decide which hole he's going to patch. So in the episode, he chooses the boat with the 300 passengers this on is a, it. This is a hypothetical, by the way. This yeah. is a, they're not actual boats in the show. Yeah, no. They're, they're, like, they're running him through a hypothetical <clears throat> in his mind, pretty much. So... In the uh, in the episode, he goes. He goes. Yeah, I'm gonna pick the. I'm gonna fix the 300 boat. Uh, and then the 200 people hold him hostage. Yeah. They. He, and so what does he do? He kills every. Kills of them. all 200 of them and then fixes the hole in the 300 <clears throat> yes. person boat. Mm, which is 
Interesting. Yes. Then the people split into two boats again. One hundred. Um. Um. Uh. A hundred people on one and two hundred people on the other from the three hundred person yes, yes. boat. Um. It happens again. Yeah. He, so he would then kill the one hundred person people. boat, and now he has killed three hundred people, people to, to save, save two hundred people. Yeah. And he says, "How can that be right? I've killed more people than I've saved." And and, and then. And then his, um, basically his internal monologue, the Holy Grail, the person that he's talking to during this hypothetical says, No, every decision you made along the way was perfectly logical, but it ended up with you killing more people than were actually saved. Yeah. <clears throat> so, do, do we have the right to be judge, jury, and executioner in those situations? I mean, in my opinion... And this is, you're totally right. I mean, it's an armchair philosopher thing. Obviously, if I was held captive by 200 people on a boat, I wouldn't kill them. Like, period. But logically, in, in my mind, I, I would, you know? Like, I, the, the, you know, saving 300 people is, is just, like, the right decision in my mind. But you ended up killing more people than you actually saved. That's because a event happened that I could couldn't have foreseen. So, the flip then is is that um, in Kiritsugu's storyline, is that Kiritsugu is an assassin. He spent his whole life using his one skill, which is well, I, I guess his one skill is the wrong way of putting it, but like his main skill is that, regardless of his own feelings, he can pull the trigger. He can always pull the trigger, mm-hmm. a- and that he does it on his own fucking father. Yeah, <laughs> without without an issue. He cries about it later, but at, but at the moment he can still he can still rat a tat tat that Just. cat. <laughs> rat a tat tat that cat. <laughs> Jesus. In the words of Little Pump. Yeah. Brr. <laughs> but. <laughs> oh, that's but. But that is switched, so the Holy Grail says, Sounds good. You want to save the world. Well, I can't do that in a way outside of what you know. And the way you know how to save the world is by killing everyone evil in it. So, how about I just kill everyone in the world and then no one can hurt anyone anymore? Seems logical. (laughs) I mean, that would ultimately solve all the violence in the world. There would be no more war. Because there would be no more people. Yeah, so there can't be war anymore. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, screen went dark, people. Don't panic. Oh, so much panic. <sighs> so do we want to... I mean, what's what's your thought on it? My thought is... Did you pull that lever? <clears throat> okay. What if you found out later that, that the four people were... um. Baby fucking Nazis, and the one person was Albert Einstein. That would suck. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know, like, <laughs> I, I made the decision, there's nothing I can do about it now, like, yeah. I'd feel bad about it. But, like, you, you decided that, in the moment, that, that you knew best, and, and you sentenced one man to die. <clears throat> oh, no. It's a, it's tough. I don't know what I would do in that situation, but mm-hmm. I think that in the end, that because I, I used to be like, 
emo-ass kid. Like, oh, I wish I could just, you know, kill every bat person in the world. Oh. And just, like, very very, very full of myself, like mm. kids do. Like, I mm. know right from wrong. Yeah. Like, like I, obviously, I, I can be the ultimate judge in the world. But, like, as I've gotten older, in my ripe old age of 20-fucking-three, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, man... It's hard to judge people, and it's, I don't know if I could always pull the trigger. I think that, like, apart from certain special circumstances, like, it's always better to save than it is to kill. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the whole narrative, right? He could have just saved the 200-person ship, and then... Well... Yeah, what would be the alternative? As opposed to, you know... Murdering all 200 people yeah, and saving tr- Trying to get them on the first boat? <laughs> like, I get that's a hypothetical, but like... I feel like there's some loopholes to this yeah. hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, but like, they obviously based on the fact that in the past, Kiritsugu has solved his problems with a gun. Yeah. He solved his problems by, you know, killing those who got in his way to achieving his goal. And, and stinger <clears throat> missile. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, just fucking shooting a passenger airplane out of the sky because in order to achieve full of vampires. Zombies. <laughs> they call them vampires in the show. Mm. They, they feel closer to zombies. They look closer to zombies, yeah. and I totally disagree with it, but in the in- Inquisition yeah, comes yeah. to the island. Yeah, no, yeah, D- dead apostles, vampires. Dead apostles, yeah. But I mean, yeah, they, they're essentially <laughs> zombies. I don't know why they call them vampires in the show. Yeah. You're right. Passenger plane full of zombies and essentially the woman that has acted as his mother for his entire life. Yeah. He shoots it down with a missile so she doesn't la- land the plane and a bunch of yep. dead apostles get out. Yep. Yep. And, and he has... Which is... We'll get into this in the art corner, but... Mm. What gorgeous animation when, like, the birds oh, fly up around him and then he shoots the dude. missile... It's so good. It's so pretty. All right, this is a perfect opportunity for us now that we've talked about some some, some pseudo deep shit. Yeah, more like college people smoking dope in a dorm room <laughs> like, with, with like dumb tapestries on the wall uh, and like talking. Man, would you pull the trigger, dude? I feel personally attacked. <coughs> like, <laughs> why, why are you personally attacking my college life? Stop it. <laughs> What, what, you didn't have, like, big, t- you haven't been in those rooms with the big tie-dye banners hanging on the wall and a bunch of people smoking weed and drinking cheap beer and and, sit- and, and sitting on the TVs in there. Like, hey, man, hey, bro, how's it going? Here, what do you think about, what do you think about life, man? And... <laughs> I could send you a picture of a room that literally looks exactly <laughs> like that, where those conversations happen n- on a weekly basis. Yep, yep. I know. It's a thing. But, <laughs> it's yeah. a thing. So. Where we transition into Let us transition to... Da, 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 the art corner. McDonald's. No, oh crap. Uh, no, <laughs> that was where that was going. What are you doing? <laughs> no, no. Art corner, cue art corner music. Like, uh, quick. Art corner. Um, That's it, we made it there. Art corner. If you remember, this is the part of the show where we talk about art. Just random art, not related to the show. No. Nope. At all, just art. Uh, no, this is this is show related. 
Um, music and animation, yep. mostly. Just just the artistic things about the show. Animation style. And my friend's mastery, which is music, which there's obviously no better musician in the world Not than one. Jacob Urkel. Jesus. This, 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 uh, this, uh, big dick energy There's a mastermind. Uncountable number of better musicians in the world than me. <laughs> <laughs> Un- just an unbounded function of, of Absolutely. People. Every day there is another one born. <laughs> it's all good. There's also, by that logic, an infinitely number that are worse than you. Very true. I would say that both are true. Not in fact true. There's a limited number of people in the world. All right, Michael, I get that numbers are complicated. I just do music, okay? Yeah, Compsi major, big fucking douchebag. <laughs> okay, no, so tell me about the music, my dude. And I think it's time for you to eat a little crow. Oh. I think it's time for you to eat a little shit on this oh. one. Because, if you remember, uh, I you edit these, so you're obviously not going to do this, but, I, but if we had another editor that we paid, I would tell them to, at this point, Insert the clip of you saying that there is not a single good ending song for anime. So come on, Urkel. It still stands true. The one in the first season of this is just okay. Okay, okay. They're not, there is one part where I said they are all bad. Yep. And, you know, I have to retract that statement and say they mm. are, 90% of them are bad. <laughs> okay, start, start from OP1. Start from OP1. So, OP1... The opening in the first season is very good. It does a lot of really interesting things musically. Um, a lot Describe of the, that one to me again. Like, hum a few bars. I forget it. Uh, uh, of course, like... Yeah, that one. So, one of my favorite things about... Both of the... Oh, nicely oh. done, man. I completely forgot how the first one went. Oh, no. <laughs> so did done. I. I listened to it on the way here. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, but, no. no. It was all right. Yeah, no. It was it was a good one. It, it did a lot of things really interestingly musically. Um, one of my favorite things, and this is... Uh, it's used occasionally in this brand of Japanese rock music that gets put on, on the fronts <clears throat> and backs of animes. Sure. Uh... Where the drum beats are these weird, like, disco dance beats. Okay. With, like, you know, kick and snare on one and three, and then these open hi-hat hits on two and four. Yeah. Like, but, like, super fast. Uh, and it's, yeah, that kind of stuff. Uh, and it just, it gives uh, it gives the, the piece a lot of motion. It's really, you know, powerful. It, it makes, did. It did. It, for yeah. OB1 had a lot of motion to it. Um, and... Uh, some of the vocal vocals, like the melody, uh, is really in, like harmonized really interestingly. It, it's not afraid to use notes that like you know average pop songs won't use. Mm-hmm. You know intervals and stuff. It's, it's a very well pe- written piece of music. Um, this brings me to the outro music for season one, which is the first set of outro music in which. I thought it did a decent job of, you know, it retaining. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It did a decent job. Oh, Lamaui shouldn't die. Oh, I can't believe it happened so soon. I thought I was um, at least going to have a... 
Two. Two. I expected to have some time where I could say ha- retain that opinion. Yep. Uh, but no, you know, it did a it did a good job. Of... We'll we'll pick something with a garbage outro. Perfect. Next time. Perfect. Specifically with a garbage outro. Yeah, that's the one requirement for next week's show. Yep. Um, week. That'd be great. Yeah. You polish off an should. anime in a week. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. You have to watch like three, four episodes a day. Day at least, depending on the show. Yeah. Hey, we're gonna do Bleach next week. How's yeah. that sound? I don't even think there is actually enough hours in the day for well, you to the, watch. Three sixty times thirty. Three sixty six times thirty, because each one's about a thirty minute episode. And there are three hundred sixty six episodes. It's a lot. Yeah, it's like four. I need to work and sleep. Yeah. One Piece. Let's get caught up. <sighs> there are over a thousand now. That would require me to like that show. Oh, shit. Yeah. Right. No, I'm going to bring that out. I'm not a big One Piece fan. That's all good. But, um, back to the music. Uh, outro music is pretty... Really? Yeah, no. Good. I was expecting... Like, I mean, most people... Like, that's a hugely popular anime. Mm-hmm. I expected you. That's why it has a thousand episodes. But, like... Yeah. I'm not into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Outro one, pretty good. Um, now I'm going to take this point to talk about one of my favorite... Favorite things that is done in uh, music for video games a lot, and movies, and also, you know, anime and stuff like that. Uh, it's called Variation in Themes. Uh, or Themes and Variation. Sorry, I said that backwards. <laughs> um, so that's where you take a melodic idea, like a, like a melody, um, and you put it on different instruments with different chords behind it um, during different sections to portray different emotions. Um, and this show does it so well in the second season. Um, Are you talking about OP2? Uh, no, actually. Okay, okay. Just there's, the regular stuff. Yeah, so there's a song that you first hear, I want to say, in one of the episodes where... Uh, Iris Veal is talking about, um, you know, her life with, uh, you know, her kid and Kiritsugu. Yep. Uh, it's a really beautiful song. It's really innocent. It's sweet. It's played on, like, a piano, and there's, like, some violin parts behind it. It's great. Um, now this same song is used two, or three other times, but two of the other times are in the same way. Um... The first time it gets reused is when... It's actually a scene we talked about earlier in the opener. When Iris Veal gets sucked down into like the into the Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, we never actually talked about that on the show. Oh, yeah. We were talking about that before we started taping. Um, but anyway, this same melody gets brought back uh, about... Th- in this episode where Iris Veal gets pulled into the Grail... And they take the melody, and because it's supposed to be this creepy, you don't know what's going on, they deet, they, they, uh, they put it on two, like, fuck! <clears throat> no, okay, Bless you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. Uh, I found it on the audio! Yeah, there it is. There's that big old clip. Um, you want the last pretzels, my dude? I okay. will, in fact, take one. One, in fact. Um, this is content. Yeah, this is some high quality content. 
So they take this melody, right? It's like PewDiePie levels. Mm-hmm. The killer of memes. Yep. So they take this melody, and instead of on this beautiful piano and violin part, they put it on, like, bell sets and detune it a bunch <laughs> so that the two bell sets are playing, like, horribly out of tune uh-huh. with each other. Um, I mean, this is a thing, dissonance, where two notes are a weird distance apart from each other, um, in, you know, uh, Western music's opinion, so, like, when they're, like, a half step apart from each other, and you're like, oh, that's a gross interval, uh, dissonance is huge when you're trying to portray, like, confusion and weird, um, I'm trying to think, uh, 28 Days Later... Uh, 28 Days Later, uh, is a horror movie that it's, um, its main theme uses, uh, it only uses, like, three chords and two of them are, like, cripplingly, uh, dissonant. And one of them, they're playing a half step apart, and then another one, they're, like, uh, like, uh a sharp four apart and it's just completely disgusting, but it just gives you this feeling of unease. Um, so when the, when the melody gets brought, it gets brought back on these bell sets and it's the same melody, but with different chords behind it, completely different feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love that. And that gets used again, uh, a little later on. I can't remember what episode it's in, but it's another situation where you're just supposed to feel uncomfortable and it does a great job of doing it. But they did, They it, this blew my mind. I loved it so much. I, I knew I had to talk about it on the sure. show. Um, there's a point where Ryder uses his noble phantasm. I only has to hit thyroid. Yeah. So essentially what that does is it teleports him and everyone around him into like this desert uh, scene yeah. where like every warrior who has ever fought for him before. All heroic spirits. All, yeah, they're all heroic spirits. Uh... Everyone that's fought with him, you know, comes back and fights for him again. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing. Somehow, they managed to take this melody that they used for a pretty backing track to, like, a Victorian England scene of, you know, a loving family. And then also a super creepy melody. And then they And then put, they reprise it to... They uh... reprise it in this... In, like, this Middle Eastern vibe. Because oh, it's so supposed cool. to be in the desert. And I didn't uh, notice that, but that's awesome. Man. It blew me away. Um, and, I mean, this is all stuff that, like, you not noticing is a good example of, like, how... Like, I, I can't stop myself from analyzing music well, yeah, ever. Yeah, 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 but that's why we have you on the podcast. Yeah. So, like, I, I highly recommend the next time... Anybody watches an anime, you know, watch for stuff like that. Because I, I, unless you don't think this is interesting and you're skipping past all or, of this part, or we let you do it and offer actual good, yeah, good, good <laughs> critique on it. Yeah, but you but, know, but you think they did, they did it well? I think they did an amazing job at it. Oh, I that's think, so good, man. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of <clears throat> shows that have done it before. You know, they do it pretty well, but this was an amazing example of that. So. With that covered, we run into the second season opening and closing. Now, the second season... OP2. OP2 for that show is in the top five openings 
I I want to say it's it's so good. I want to say it's like number four, with the top three being the intro to Dead Man Wonderland, the intro to uh, uh, One Punch Man, uh, the intro to, and then OP two, and I know you probably won't dig it, but OP two. For uh, Death Note. Oh, like the super like heavy metal one. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a <laughs> song called "What's Up, People" by Maximum the Hormone, and they are a absolutely ridiculous Japanese screamo band. Their bass player plays slap bass. They play so fast, and it is absolutely amazing. I highly recommend checking them out because it does not matter that you cannot understand what the dude is saying because you don't know Japanese. Like, this dude, like, it just sounds super sick if you're into metal. Um, but yeah, no. OP2 for... What was fa- it? In the beginning or to the beginning? Some it, it, It's called one of those yeah, two things. Yeah, it's one of those two things. I mean, the, the music video for that song on YouTube has something like 8.8 million views. It's uh, high. It's a, yeah, it's a really good tune. Uh, and it, it kind of follows some of the same things that I said about uh, OP1 where um, a lot of the melodic ideas in that uh, OP2 are, are very interesting choices, especially for, um, you know, Western music. Um, you know, Eastern music and Western music are very different, of course. Um, so, you know, anybody from America would probably have a different opinion of some of the, uh, you know, some of the melodic choices they make in the song. Uh, but I think, I think it's just incredible. I think they, they use a lot of really interesting techniques, a lot of really interesting, uh, intervals when they're, you know, trying to write these melodies. Um, and it draws a lot of emotion out that stereotypical Western music. Um, they do it in different ways. So I'm not going to say that they couldn't bring out that information that emotion but it does because of the interesting choices they make it it builds tension and then releases tension it makes you feel a certain way and then a certain other way the it's very energetic and uplifting at points and then you almost feel like a sense of uh uncomfortable hopelessness in bits of it and then that it releases into this big amazing chorus that uh you know gets you really set up for the next episode, and I think it does a great job. Uh, and then OP2 sucks. Or, sorry, uh, Outro 2 sucks. <laughs> um, I, it, it falls back into the exact same thing I say I said about uh, outros in the first video, where it's just this really... Podcast, this is not videos. Oh, podcast, yeah, sorry. I didn't even realize I said videos. Um, but it falls into the same hole that the other ones do in the sense that they just uh it's really lighthearted. it's really chill there's nothing really interesting about it uh so you know it, it doesn't set you up for the next episode you're gonna watch which yeah. is what i look for in an in outro <clears throat> thing i want it sure. to be you know memorable and kind of propel me into watching the next episode so sure that's about um, All right. Let's keep her moving so we don't yeah. try to go too long here. Yeah. So let's go into the animation. But yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. Um, animation. 
animation on this for being 2011 is quite pretty. Yeah, it's it, very good for how old. Yeah, it is. no, it, it it has aged well. Yeah. There are some issues. I sent Urkel a freeze frame of uh, uh of Saber in a car. Oh and, yeah, that one. Yeah, where like. <laughs> Where her face is missing a nose and her mouth is like halfway up her face, it's it's pretty ugly. But like apart from some you know some some silly freeze frames, um, big thing that I have an issue with, but it's an anime thing, is the old eyeball goes in front of the hair thing, when like the oh, when like the hair the gets hair transparent like and then and then the hair. eyeballs the opposite of opaque. Opaque means you cannot see through it. Well, transparent is the word you're looking for. Gotcha. <laughs> Oops. Um, I I hate that, and this show does it at very important moments, all and the all the time, also. Yeah. At very important moments and very unimportant, it just constantly does it, yeah. and it's such a pet peeve of mine. Really? Ugh. That's interesting. I hate it. I just think it's like because human bodies don't do that. Yeah. And I get it. You want to show the big old agu anime eyes, but like, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> you just, just like don't. Don't do that. It looks That's ugly. Funny. I never even like thought of that. That's crazy. That's funny. Um, the action scenes are good. Action in this is very good. Um, director Akoi does a very good job with action scenes, as we've talked about. He did. He did all Noah and uh, and he did Recreators, which was known for its fight scenes. Uh, but the dialogue. Can get a little bit of frozen people with just mouth hinges going hot, 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 yeah. hot sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Where, like, no other part of the body's moving except for the mouth. And, uh, Kaneth in the castle comes to mind for that. Kaneth Elmoloy Archibald, um, kicks down the door of Kiritsugu's castle, and he walks in, and, uh, and he stands in the door, and he delivers this very long speech where he is frozen in place, and it's just his jaw going, hunk, 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 opening hunk, and closing. Hunk, hunk. It looks like a dead fish. <laughs> and, and it's really long, and, it's, and you're like, oh, oh, oh. Stop. It's a cool fight, but pretty garbage. Yeah. Um, but, like, in other ways. Um, I just have written on my, on, on my, uh, on my sheet... That string hawk looked like dick. Comma, <laughs> Jesus. Comma, Jesus. Um, that would be oh, that would be in the fight of Iris Field versus Kiriko Tomine, where she says that not that Kiritsugu had, had taught her more than just how to drive a car. He taught her how to survive, and so she summons up this hawk made out of string that then like ties up Kiriko Tomine, and it is CG and it looks awful, That's even so for funny. anime CG. It doesn't look good. There's, there are some CG issues in here, except Berserker. Berserker was mostly CG, you know that, right? Yeah. During his fights, I thought he looked okay. I didn't mind how he looked. Did you? Did you not like it? There were occasional bits <laughs> where he looked less than optimal. Okay. Okay. During a couple, that's fine. That's fine. During a couple of the scenes when he's fighting um, Saber. He loses some okay. texture. He loses some textures during okay. some of the okay. frames, uh, and then also I was thinking he... in like the Gilgamesh fights when it's Berserker versus Gilgamesh. I think he looks great there. I was gonna say something about those too. Oh! <laughs> like just the part where he's controlling the jet. 
I loved that scene. <laughs> okay, that I mean, was like one of my favorite fights. Dude, I was so invested. Gilgamesh's plain thing looks dumb as shit, though. Well, I thought it was so cool. What? <laughs> he, he, has a, he has a golden, awesome spaceship. What are those wings? What are the wings on that thing? I don't know. They're <laughs> elvispheric stabilizers that are cooler than anything that you own, you piece of garbage. <laughs> Oh go, man! Go, go, go suck on a snowbank. They look dope. Fucking <laughs> Gilgamesh is cool. You can go jump in a lake. <laughs> all right, all right, dude. I get it. You like Gilgamesh, man? Chill. Oh. <laughs> uh, go. Did you say go suck on a snow egg? On <laughs> a snowbank, but I'm oh. snow egg. <laughs> So oh, man. I had uh I had nostalgia glasses on for for the Gilgamesh parts then apparently. Okay. But because apparently it looked awful. But it wasn't that bad, it just wasn't great. I I like Gilgamesh as a character. I think he's really cool. <clears throat> he's so do I. He just don't like his spaceship. Yeah, they just think his spaceship is dumb. Literally, oh, yeah. the rest of everything about him is great. You, 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 did, you didn't like dumb. the dog fight where they were like jumping around and shooting missiles and axes at each other and stuff like that. It was cool. I liked it. I, I mean, just you wish... just didn't think it looked. I just think the ship looked dumb. Okay, that's all. <laughs> okay, hey man, that's, that's fine. That's your opinion. I just wanted to jump I mean, on it's you just and say wrong. That, just saying that you're a scum sucking. Yeah. <laughs> Pond snail, but you know, other than that, I can... <laughs> I'm sucking pond snail. Yep. All right. All right. What else and then finally, um, the entire Kiritsugu flashback looks so good. Oh, it's so good. The 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 island. I wanted to just live in that water. It's so the, nice. The way the water's drawn on that island. Just it's it's the most refreshing looking thing I've ever That's seen in my so life, <laughs> and then and then later on when he shoots down uh, his mom, uh, quote unquote mom, mm. with the rocket launcher, and like he's crying, and then the plane comes behind the clouds, and a bunch of seagulls fly up off the water, and it's this brilliant moment with the sun shining down, and he's crying, and he shoots a fucking stinger missile at her. Oh, some powerful stuff, man. It, the, the storytelling through the visuals there is just. Wonderful. I actually thought the birds in that scene were a little bit over the top. Yeah, I <clears throat> liked it, but it was just it was very. I don't want to say very anime because that's gonna sound stupid because it is an anime. What, you thought that it was like a little too much. Yeah, I, there were just like so many seagulls. <laughs> I was like, That's, he's in open water. There are so many birds. Like, what are they yeah. doing there? Okay, fair. But like, fair. it looked amazing. Like the the scene itself looked incredible. Like it does. It did this awesome thing where like. You know, it has this this field of view, right? And it's very standard throughout all the shots. And then it pulls back to just the boat with Kiritsugu on it with the rocket. And it's looking up in the sky. You can see the plane. And you, you feel uh, almost like as if if you were watching a real movie, it would be like a fisheye lens effect. Yep. 
where it just, you know, the field of view gets really yep. wide and you could see just like all the birds circling and it seems like the edges curve out. Like that looks amazing. It does. Uh, that I mean, that that whole scene looks amazing, but that was just a, a key frame that looked just incredible. Yep. Yep. Um, that was about all I had for animation. All right. It, it looked good. The fight scenes were really cool. Um, a bunch of like, uh, sabers, Excalibur looked cool. Gilgamesh's Gates of Babylon looked cool. Ionian Hitairoi looked cool. Um, Gay Gay Bull and Gay Dior looked pretty cool. Um, yeah, tell me who those were. Was the the chariot and the horse? Nope. No, 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 that was, uh, that, that was Diermut's spear. Okay, uh, that gay, was my other guess. Gay, gay bull and gay Dior. Gay bullshit and gay deer. Gay deer, yes. Gay deers. Uh, he was, <clears throat> I wanted more of him. I'm sad yeah. he was the first to die. He, no, he wasn't. Caster died first. Did he? Was that, a, oh yeah, he's in the caster, but yeah. Duh, caster dies first. No, Assassin dies first. Yes. Assassin dies in the... Assassin the dies in the Hatairoi after they fight Caster. And yeah, before, so they, Caster. before they fight for Caster. Are you... I am almost convinced of that. Right? Oh, that's still season yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the end of season one. It's literally in like the episode it's, after yeah, it's the, the Holy Grail. It's the end Grail. of season one. Yeah, it's the exact. Yeah, I'm done. Never mind. Dang. Yeah, I thought it was crazy. Okay. No, it was assassin, caster, lancer. Okay. Others. Berserker. No, Ryder died before Berserker. Okay. It was simultaneous, but like technically Ryder died first in the, in the show. Yeah. Yeah. So what's our next section, uh, Mikey boy? Criticism. Criticism. What didn't you like about the show? Oh man, and this—we were actually talking about this a little bit outside the show, but I didn't like the pacing in the back half of the second season. A lot <clears throat> of characters die rather rapidly. Like a good example of that is the fact that in the same episode you have a fight between. Um, Saber and Berserker, uh, and then at the same time you have a fight between Ryder and Archer. Now, these were two fights that I was really hyped for. The reasons being, Archer and Ryder had built this narrative where they were, like, kind of friends, and they, like, understand where each one came from, uh, and they had these amazing discussions, uh, and they were building this relationship. I wanted to see what the fight was going to be. And I wanted to see a full, big, crazy fight. Um, and that actually ties into another criticism that I'll get to in a second. The, the, there was two fighting. And then you have Arthur and... Uh, Berserker. Berserker fighting. Who, who is Lance a lot, yeah. but she doesn't know that until the end. Yeah. Saber and Berserker who are fighting, which is <coughs> Arthur and Lance a lot. Uh, which, you know, I'm hyped for because, you know, it's Arthur and Lance a lot. Although, you, you don't know that, though. Isn't there, isn't there like, a hint no. behind... Oh. No, well, you do not know it's Lancelot till the end. I suppose I knew that coming into yeah. it the second time because I had watched it. No, but you find that out at the end. Okay. So I suppose that's a little less hype. But still, it's still two, two fights where two big characters die, like, at the same time after going through the whole, yeah. like, a, 
I feel like the deaths weren't spread out enough. Like, I wanted to see, like, this competition arc where, like, slowly people got picked off. And I could really focus in on a fight for a little while. And then there was some downtime and then a fight and some downtime. I guess that my that's my criticism and I, as I felt like the, the pacing was a little bit may, off. May I respond to that? Yeah. Um, I thought the deaths were okay. Okay. Because... I thought that there that there was no more in their character arc to kind of explore. I, I felt like they had come all the way around. Ryder did not have his own character arc. He did not have anywhere to develop. He started off at the same like emotional place that he ended at. His role was to help Waver Velvet grow. Yeah. And so when Waver had finished growing, then Ryder could die. Because cause Ryder's point was to teach Waver. And and it ends with Waver going, like, like yes, my lord, I will follow you to the end. Like, let's go. I'm, I, I, I've no longer, I no longer have this chip on my shoulder. I'm ready to just, like, you know, instead of just complaining about things, I'm ready to do what it takes. You know, just, like, nut up, live my own life for a little bit instead of blaming others for the fact, things. Um, he's learned all that from Ryder. And so, <clears throat> then, all that's left now is for Waver to go and do it himself, instead instead of just having Ryder support him there. Um, Berserker was only there as a his only purpose, character wise, was to be there for that moment for Saber to realize that she had in fact messed up her job as king, and like and like destroyed her followers and like. Made everyone hate. Made everyone hate her. <clears throat> um. So like, cause he was just crazy. He had no motivation. It, he, there was no real reason for him to want the Holy Grail. <clears throat> he just wanted. He was just blah, murder, stab, stab, everything, yeah. and like he he had almost no he had almost no purpose in there except to just be a crazy smash everything and then just like also throw like a monkey wrench in the works. So like. Those two dying, but they they'd serve their purpose. If they'd been there for any longer, I I don't think that story wise it could have justified it because they weren't doing anything else. That makes a lot of sense. That's oh, a no, good point. That was my thoughts. Yeah, no, I'm I agree with that. You know, like <clears throat> they they stuck around for the right amount of time. That's a good point. So. I'm going to go with my only other criticism, and that is it was cripplingly obvious who was going to win out of all the servants and all the fights. Yeah. You have one character with, quote, a anti-universe... Uh, Kanith Elmaloy Archibald. Archibald. <laughs> anti-universe <clears throat> ability with which... He can theoretically like, destroy all creation. Destroy all creation. He also has the ability to like summon blades and is pretty much untouchable because he his has... noble phantasm is that he can summon anyone's noble phantasm and throw it at you. Yeah, it's absolutely <clears throat> un unbelievable. Like I I like I look at him and go like, yeah. I don't see how anybody else could beat that. 
Okay. Like, maybe if, like, he would have 1v1'd Caster at his, like, max thing, but then he'd just use his anti-universe noble phantasm and, you know, split him in half or whatever. Yes. Like, I liked Archer, I liked his character, but the thing is, like, most of the time when you see those snooty, uptight, uh, you know, I'm better than everybody else, they get their comeuppance. Kate, because Kenneth. Yeah. Because they don't because they aren't actually better than Kenneth, everyone else. Kenneth was that character. Yeah. So Fe- Fermon Sanguis, like yeah, his whole full like like crazy metal dude thing. He, yeah. He was like, Yeah, no, I'm a prodigy, and then he gets wrecked in one episode. Yeah. Like the thing about Archer is like the the show tells you he's the best and then shows you he's the best, and then he is the best. Yeah. And like it, that's it's weird to me because not a lot. Like I don't, I can't really think of many shows that do that. And it's weird because he's he is kind of an antagonist. Yes. Oh, he's definitely yeah. a bad guy. And like he just he wins because no one else has like a chance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like period. Uh, which which makes some of the conflict in the show, like especially for the last couple episodes, feel a little weird. Like. Saber comes out and she's gonna fight Archer and I'm like, he's like she's not gonna win. Like right. I don't I don't see how she could beat him. Yeah. Um, two things. One, this is part of the reason why the show suffers for being a sequ- for being a prequel. Oh yeah. Yep. Because Archer gets defeated in in Stay Night. Really. Yes. How? Um. Okay, first off, he will not use Aya unless he thinks that you're worthy of seeing it. Yep. Um, hence why he doesn't just bust out Aya every single chance he gets and yeah. then destroys people. Aya's the anti-universe noble phantasm. Um, uh, so, mainly his thing is that he is a jack of all trades master of none. He has the entire universe of like every noble phantasm ever created, but he doesn't know how to use them. He just chucks them at you. Um... Which is good, but he, he has not mastered any one of them. So, he gets defeated in Fate Stay Night by Shiro Emiya, who has the ability to copy anything. Um, <clears throat> that's, uh, he can look at something and then, and then produce an exact copy of it. So, if, so then Gilgamesh can fire all the swords he wants at him, Inside of Shiro's um, reality bubble, which is called Unlimited Blade Works, um, he can he can copy every single thing that Gilgamesh throws at him and send it right back at him, canceling them out perfectly. So, so completely negates everything that Gilgamesh has, oh. and then uh, beats him. Um, it is an ability that that is not necessary that could not beat anyone who is a master of a weapon, but is specifically meant to beat someone who has all the power, but does not know how to use guy. it. Yeah, yeah, no. It's an it's it's an anti Gilgamesh, basically noble phantasm. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, no. So he gets beaten. So obviously he cannot lose in the first one because he is the main antagonist of Fate Stay Night. Yeah. So okay, it suffers from some prequelitis. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. But also, do you really think that this show is about, like, at its core? Is it really about 
this fight for the Holy Grail? Is it really a battle anime meant to fight over who's the best for the Holy Grail? Yeah, I mean, I think it is that with like you, a bunch of under, underlying themes. I mean, like I don't. Okay, what do you what do you mean? I mean, the fight for the Holy Grail is a nice vehicle for storytelling, mm-hmm. but I think that it's only that. I think it's only a vehicle for <clears throat> an actual thing about about a bunch of people trying to um, prove that their way of thinking is the correct way of thinking, kind of in affirmation of beliefs, and then finding out at the very end that for every single person that what you believe is is wrong. Um, the Holy Grail is not an omnipotent wish grain device. It is a weapon that kills people. Um, that's what it is. Uh, Hiritsugu, you cannot save the world by killing people. Tokiomi Tosaka, your, your apprentice killed you, the man that you trusted the most in the world. Um, Kariyamato gets shoved into the worm pit by the girl he was trying to save. Um, uh, Kenneth Elmoloy Archibald, all of your prestige, all of your, all of your, like, like proper breeding doesn't count for shit. Because you still got beat by Kuritsugu, the mage killer, who his job is to is to beat up smug little snots like you. Yeah. His way, um, you got all cocky because you know my this entire building is like full of traps, and like and you know all this stuff. The and he just blew up the building. <laughs> like no, he, like your opinions don't, like your thoughts don't matter. Um, Saber, I thought I was the best king. You were actually the worst king. Um. I I see what you're saying. Yeah. And I guess my idea is that it's about the Holy Grail War with, you know, the themes being expressed through okay. the characters. I guess I guess it I don't think we disagree. I think it's a case of me having a different idea of what sure. an anime like <clears throat> is let me think of a better. Let me let me think of an example. Well, I think I think people get what we're trying to say. Yeah. Okay. Um, my criticism of the show. Yeah. Let me, let's get into that. I'm excited. Uh, there are none. the it's a perfect ten out of twenty. Wait, that's half. That's literally fifty percent. Um, I thought the writing was somewhat mediocre in places. Really? Yes. I. Thought it got a little too over dramatic at times. I, 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 it just felt like it tried a little too hard. The, the dialogue didn't feel like things that actual people would say at points. Like it didn't feel like conversation, and I hate that. I hate when like dialogue does not reflect what I feel could actually happen in the real world. Like when people are standing, like like for a fight, like they have the first clash of blades, and then they talk for fifteen minutes while have their swords locked together. Yeah. Um, not a fan of that. Crap like that. I thought this show is certainly guilty and some and, 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 and some of the dialogue and the unnaturalness there just kinda I, kinda took it down for me. I thought that exact same thing during the Kiritsugu versus Kirei fight, where like they fight for a minute and then they just stand there and look at each other. Yeah. It's like the oh, internal dialogue. I was like, Okay, this is pretty cringy, I'm not a fan of this. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. Um I thought that, uh, 
I I thought that some of the I thought that some of the animation basically took spikes of beautiful to average. Yep. Very true. Um, you could tell there was some bits that they worked a little harder. Where they ran out of money. Yeah, that. Uh, I just thought that technically the show had a few issues in in execution. In the, in you know, th- like I said, things like writing, animation, things. Some of the, some of the technical things did not for me were occasionally a little underwhelming, but story wise, I thought it was quite good. Um, it's a. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like big criticisms I had. I hated the the episode where it was like a little girl, where it was like Reen's adventure is literally what the episode's oh. called, where it was just like the most fillery filler bullshit oh, I've ever seen. Uh, I that hate was, filler. Yep, everyone does. This is so bad. And you had to do it on a on a little middle school girl. Jesus Christ, Japan. Please no. Stop. It's so gross. Hey, that that's a that that's that's something that some of our audience members could be appealing to. I don't I mean, want them we, listening. We 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 don't want a bunch of lolly fans listening to our show. Yeah, no, I don't. No, all right, all right. No, I'm fine. gonna draw that hard line in the sand. I <laughs> just uh, in the rock. Even I'm gonna carve that line. Right. No lollies. Get the fuck out of Get my. Out. The Get fuck out, out of my, my nice Christian good, anime. My good Christian anime. <laughs> um, this show suffers from. Especially at the beginning, suffers from some what the fuck syndrome. Oh my god! <clears throat> like, like, yo, holy grail, it's going. Okay, servant summon. First episode. What the hell is happening? Like, you get there are some plot things that just get like dived into, and you're like, whoa, what the hell? These worms make you magical. Yep. Don't ask why. Yep. Yep. The worms make you magical, and then also, when you fire them at someone, they turn into wasps. Yep, and I then guess. and also don't do anything. Yeah, that was the most just, disappointing yeah, fight. Just like ah, oh, just, <gasps> just holding out his hand, and then bugs are just flying in and getting incinerated. Like slowly flying as he bleeds then... to death. Yes. what a what a garbage fight. Yeah, Ugh. sure, it represents the struggle of him never being able to catch up to the superior mage, but like. That was fuck yourself. Yeah. It was, that was oh. not a good fight. No, he just sat there and just fired wasps as they got incinerated, and then. Like Tosaka just checked his Twitter, and then like basically, yeah. it was pretty rough. Um, why is Saber a girl? Give me, give me a good reason why Saber's a girl. I don't think they needed a reason. I think it was because anime. Well, I, I mean, I think it was just like a what no. if we did this thing. <clears throat> okay. Well, did it work? Was the story much improved by her being a girl? Or did they want to... Because Saber's the mascot of the Fate series. Yeah. Um, did they just want to have a girl in there? I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think... It doesn't detract or add to the show that she is a different gender. I just gender, didn't understand I why. I don't... I mean, that's fair. I don't... I think that's because there isn't, like, a why to understand. Yeah. They so then why do it? it? Because, because why not? I okay. Mean, I just thought it was because I mean, they, they just wanted more cute girls in the series to draw in some people. It just felt like that a little bit. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it could have been so the Irisville and Saber could have a more closer relationship <clears throat> yeah. without it getting weird at yeah. all. Also, very good that some of these people were not racist against Asians, despite the fact that in the time period they would have been extremely racist against Asian oh, people. Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> or had, I guess maybe there's a reason there aren't any black people in the show, but like, <laughs> not a single one. As in with a lot of anime. Yeah. Like, there would have been some racists in there. Jesus, that's something I never really even realized. And they are from a certain time period. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, duh, yeah. The, all the summons and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I never thought of that. How, like, those people would probably How is, like, Saber just, like, super chill with Asian people? (laughs) Like... Oh, you, oh, you yellow slanty-eyed demons from the E. I mean, she does it. That's not me. That's not me. Urkel just gave me this look, and I was like, stop sinking the ship. <laughs> you're putting a hole in it, bud. But, like... No, I know, I know. I get what you're saying. No, that's... I never really thought of that. That's a really interesting I just, I just thought of it in this, in this watch, and I was like, why are they not, like... Little racist, just a, like at least just a little bit, like just a little, like a smidge of racism. Jesus, yeah, wow, <laughs> I never thought of that. Yeah, um, well, that's, that's a good criticism right yeah. there. Uh, but uh, I am looking at my notes. Uh, <sighs> da, da, da. yep. A quote from my sheet, on the other hand, a shout out to the lamest thing I've ever seen, which is the bug attack of Kariyamato. <laughs> that is pretty lame. Um, pretty lame. As a Brandon Sanderson fan, I don't like the magic system in here. I'm used to, and Brandon Sanderson's an author who's known for writing very complex magic systems. Interesting. Um, like, like, very well thought out in every detail. The magic here is like, there's magic, but it's also in, like, Bugs and crystals and what the hell is mana? It it doesn't make much sense. I think it's because it doesn't really matter for the plot. It, yeah, it, which just, is what you're just which supposed why to. It's ex- a minor criticism. Yeah, I but it's like it would have been cool to know how magic works in this world because yeah. you don't really get to know. Yeah. Like, but I just like if there aren't rules, then ev- then anything is possible. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of annoying. That reminds me of another criticism I had that I totally forgot about. <clears throat> they spent, like, eight episodes setting up the rules of the Holy Grail War. And then took a And then just, them. like, they were like, all right, let's start. And then, like, a day later, they were like, all right, all the rules have been broken. The caretaker's dead. This guy has all of the command seals. <laughs> Half the servants have switched hands. Everything is chaos. You know, yeah. glad I sat through all that information about how the Holy Grail worked. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, ugh. At the end, when Akira Kotomine gets brought back to life, Gilgamesh literally says, oh, maybe it's because you got trapped in some kind of magical nonsense of your own. Like, they explained, like, yeah. they cared so little about the explanation. They said, quote, well, we were bonded, so maybe you got trapped in some magical, magical nonsense, nonsense of your own. What? What? You didn't even try! <laughs> Here's another question. Did anybody win the Holy Grail War? No. Okay, that's what I thought. No, no one ever does. It's weird. No one ever wins the Holy Grail War. 
because otherwise, how could they keep on milking that cash cow? That is the Fate series. Can't they just have a new winner every time there's a war? Yeah, but like, how could Kiritsugu win? He was he wanted to literally save the world. And now, 60 years later, after there's been no war for 60 years because Kiritsugu won the last Holy Grail War, that wouldn't work. That's a good point. What? Uh, Tokiomi won. Okay, Mage just officially found the route. Magic, mag- we won magic, people. We did it. <laughs> magic, we made it, boys. It, there's no more goals in magic. We did it. We found the route. Um, okay, yeah, no, it makes sense now. You're right. They just want to, like, end, end... All their wishes just end the series. Why does hitting the Holy Grail with the Super Excalibur hit kill, like, an entire city? It, it destroys the Lesser Grail. There are two Holy Grails. The Greater Grail and the Lesser Grail. Irisfield is the... Irisfield is the, is the manifestation of the Lesser Grail, to which seven sacrifices are made to then actually give form and substance to the greater grail which is that giant hole in the sky um the ritual was incomplete but it was i'm i'm guessing it was something like since it was destroyed with like mal intent slash kiritsuku was the last one inside of it so, so um oh no no it was that kiriko to me was the last one with the servant and so he he won the Holy Grail. And apparently, what he wanted was being, was everything to explode. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. But 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 not but but the ritual was incomplete, so the whole world didn't die. It was just the entire city of of Fuyuki got lit on fire. Just on fire. Yep, lit AF on fam. Uh, so that's what happened, dude. Don't even get me started on the Fate series convoluted crap. I will send you a diagram of how the of how the Grail War works, and like it's like the most like arrows going everywhere, and this summons this, which summons oh, this. And God. it's some booty, man. It's that it's weird, cool. but like yeah. So, I guess does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Uh, As this show is a, there's some confusing bits, yeah. but like we are at an hour and forty six minutes. Yeah. So I suppose it's wrap up. Yeah, yeah. Let's start wrapping it up. Any final thoughts? Anything you want to discuss? Uh, no, I mean, my, my opinion is pretty evident from what I've said so far. I think it's just, like, a real high-quality anime, and I think, I think it's one that, you know, anybody who wants to watch anime should, you know, check out. Yeah, watch it. It's good. Yeah. We're the same. Good! Good talk. Yeah, we are in, in agreement. Yep. Well, okay, folks, thank you for listening to Boca de Gallo, the spiciest anime podcast on the internet yeah the hottest uh thank you so much for listening and uh we'll catch you on the flip side later everybody peace stay stay beautiful